Thank you so much for sharing that story. Isn't that great? And I, can I, just, I just want to remind you, one of the coolest things about being human is that every one of us has a story. Every one of us. And especially if Jesus has made himself real to you, then you have a story of how he's done that and how he's impacted us. And, and I, the, the timing, uh, I think, of Emma's story wasn't just because it was St. Patty's Day yesterday. Um, but I think even uh, today, I, I, I feel like God is leading me uh, to share a portion of my story uh, with you as well and um, flows really well with some of the stuff that Emma already shared. So um, before we start, can I just pray? Let's just pray. And uh, let's just remind ourselves, I'm gonna pray, but I just wanna encourage you as you're praying to, let's just open our hearts to the possibility and the reality that God is here and that he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to speak to us. So let's ask him to do that. Father, thanks for your grace and for your mercy, for your love, for how you help us. God, thanks for loving Emma. Thanks for her journey. And thanks for the freedom that she has experienced in you. Lord, you said, it's for freedom that I came to set you free. And Lord, we pray for that today. Even as we look at this issue of just rest, to have a life of rest. You are here. You do love us. And I'm just asking God that your word and your spirit would be so real and help us today. Draw us closer to you and fill us up so that we can walk out of this world and show them how good you are. And we pray for that in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, back in July, at the end of July, Uh, Susie and I drove my second daughter, Ashlyn. I, it's so funny. I almost said Aspen. <laughs> we named our dog Aspen and, that, and our daughter Ashlyn. That was probably not a smart idea. But uh, so we drove Ashlyn back to Colorado State. She's a sophomore there. And this year she got a house uh, right downtown Fort Collins with a couple of her friends. And so um, as usual, I, I got up early um, for my morning. And I uh, went outside and sat in her backyard. <clears throat> and uh, that, this particular morning, I just was, uh, I had a question for God. And my question was, Lord, what's up with my heart? What's up with my heart? And I don't know about you, but um, there were just seasons where my heart was just not at rest. And... Um, <laughs> where I feel like I had walls built up. And um, I felt like I was distant. I could feel being kind of cold in my own heart. Um, yeah, I just wasn't free. And, uh, and I didn't know why. I didn't feel very loving. <laughs> and uh, that's not who I want to be. So I'm sitting there and I'm just having my time and I'm just pouring out to him. And I said, Lord, just what's up, what would you, what's up with my heart? And um, I've had a few moments, this may happen to you um, as you walk with Jesus. I've had a few moments where it feels like he shows up super close and he's very real. And here's what I heard him say. David, do you really want to know? Exactly. Now, when you hear that from God, you go, no, thanks. That was great. Let's just move on to the next thing. 
And um, because once you get to know him, if he speaks that directly and that clearly to you, do you really want to know? Because he would like you to know. And uh, I've walked with him long enough that seriously, in my, in my flesh, I did just want to say, no, that's good. I'm, I'm good. But the truth was, I knew I wasn't good. And so I said, yeah, I really do want to know God. And so um, it's interesting because in the passage that we're going to look at today, one of the phrases in here, it says this, this is how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. And so um, that's what I want to talk about today. The title for today's message is The Good Life is at Rest. So that's my question for you today. How's your heart? How's your heart? Is it free? Is it full? Are you at rest? Do you have peace? Do you have joy? I just love the scripture says, the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, which again, my favorite definition for righteousness means things are as they ought to be. The kingdom of God is a matter of that and of peace and of joy. How's your heart today? And I, I just want to tell you, if you really want to know, I think God will tell you how your heart is. And so um, in the passage today, uh, as I was studying on uh, uh, Monday, I dove in and I'm like, oh my goodness. See, I, I think I knew that at some point God was going to ask me to share this portion of my story with you. Um, I'm not really looking forward to it, to be totally honest with you. Um, I knew the day was going to come someday. I just didn't know it was today. But Monday, as I was studying, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's right here in this, in this scripture. Because when God um, opened up my heart, there's two things in here that we're going to see that puts our heart at rest that I was really struggling with. <laughs> this is going to be funny. You know what it is? Believe in Jesus and love each other. Believe in Jesus and love each other. That's kind of what we've been talking about. But I'll, let me just, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the passage and then I'm going to share my story. And then I'm going to, unpack for us the passage and see how God wants to help every one of us in this room have a heart that's at rest, all right? So here we go. First John chapter three, if you're visiting or new with us, First uh, John is a letter that the apostle John, who was one of the three closest to Jesus, in fact, he knew himself as the one that Jesus loved, the beloved, and he's writing this to a group of people, and, uh, and we're just going right through his letter to figure out what the good life is, Okay. Here we go, 1 John 3. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, then how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, 
If our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. Receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. And this is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. All right. So let me share a little bit of my story. <clears throat> Some of you have sh- shared this. I'm not gonna go into depths because uh, I've shared this here before, but if you're new, um, my, my son, Caleb, and I were actually going through this book called Wild at Heart. I don't know if you guys have ever read that book, but part of the, in, in the book, it just talks about, lots of books talk about this. No human being escapes this world without receiving a wound, okay? We talked about this in the Unstuck series that we did. There's part of the reason we get stuck and we need, we get caught up in our addictions and our behavioral patterns is because we've actually had stuff that's been done to us or things that should have been done that weren't done to us and our hearts get wounded, okay? My wound, without going into the specifics of it, as a kid, I became deeply convinced that no one likes me. Now, there's reasons for that, which I, again, I'm not gonna take time to get into it. But that was the voice that I used to hear in my head almost every day, that nobody likes you. And so I would walk around with that. That's the wound that I received. But I learned a couple of things as a kid and it just got reinforced as I got older. Here's, I learned two things. Number one, if you're nice to people, they like you. And I kind of, God gave me a personality. I'm, I, I'm outgoing. I do like people. And so it was actually pretty easy for me to be nice to people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this works. When I'm nice to people, then they like me and my heart gets protected and my wound doesn't get touched. You guys following this? Any other nice people out there? Okay, three. All right, good. That's the first thing I learned. Here's the second thing I learned. Be really good at what you do. So if, you get, if you're really good at what you do, people will accept you. People will admire you and they'll like you. So I knew two things and I worked and I was able to do that. I played football, basketball, baseball, started on those teams, made all league. I was in the band. I won the John Philip Sousa Award for the best band member. I mean, you want me to be the best? I'm gonna be the best and I'm gonna perform and I'm gonna perform and I'm gonna come perform and then people will like me. There was one problem with those two things is the key people in my life It didn't make any difference. It didn't work. It worked for the masses, but it didn't work for the people that I had received my wound from. So I learned another lesson. Apparently, no matter what I do, I'm never good enough. No matter what I do, I'm never good enough. So what happens, you guys, I don't know what your wound is, I don't know what your journey is, but when the scripture says, when our hearts condemn us, can I just ask you, how many of you have had your heart condemn you? Okay, if you're human, you have. So what I learned, here was my heart's message to me. David, you must get along with everybody. (laughs) 
and you must perform at a high level because it hurts too much if you don't. And this feels good to be liked, so you better do this. That was my heart's message to me. So the problem with that is what? My heart is only at rest. It's actually dependent. My rest is dependent on my performance and on everybody's opinion of it. That's a problem when you're going through life like that. So when you're falling short, what happens? When you're falling short, when all of a sudden you have somebody that you can't do enough to make them like you and they reject you, what happens? Your heart cries out and it starts condemning you. (laughs) Or if you don't perform at the certain level and you don't receive the accolades, you tried your best and you didn't get it, then what happens? Your heart condemns you. And I I can smell, how don't you dare be rejected. (laughs) You've got to be nice. That's what's going on inside of me. And so what happens then is you end up building walls. You totally build up walls to protect yourself. And here's the reality. If you're all about being nice, I learned something. You don't love people. I'll never forget. I was 27 years old. I was sitting in my uh, dining room um, back in Michigan. And I was having my time with Jesus in the morning like I do. Just love hanging out with him. And that morning, again, by the way, if, if you're new, let me just tell you something. God is so super real and so engaged in our lives, you guys. And so I do say quite often up here, God spoke to me. And lots of times people go, how do you know if it's him? I tell you, if you get get to know him, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. I've never heard him here, never heard him in my ears, but he brings thoughts to your mind that you know aren't yours. Well, here was a thought that came into my mind. I totally heard God say to me this, David, I don't want you to be nice to people anymore. And I want to tell you, you know what? My heart, my heart was like, just slammed. I mean, literally, I felt like I slammed the door in God's face. I'm like, I can't do that. My heart was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. We've learned. Nice works, God. But then I heard him say, I don't want you to be nice to people anymore. I want you to love them instead. I can tell you this right now. If you're about being nice, it's actually one of the most selfish things you can do. Kindness, on the other hand, is of God. And that's a Holy Spirit fruit. All right? So here's the second thing, right? And don't you dare fail. Don't you dare fail. Because here's what we know when we fail. When you can't meet the standard, you know what happens? People leave you. People reject you. People walk away from you. You know, when, when, when we do premarital counseling and we're walking through this, we talk about this amazing love of God. It just goes, man, when you, when you can fall short, God goes, that's just when I love you. But every single one of us in this room has had the experience where you couldn't quite be what the other person needed you to be. And then the human beings leave you. So my heart cries out, don't you dare fail. Nelson, because that hurts too much. And so in both of these things, what do you end up having? You walk in fear, man. You fear of rejection and fear of failure. And by the way, did you remember what you did? um, We're going to get to this in a second. There's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. If you're full of fear, then you can't really love. 
But lo and behold, you guys, finding Jesus Christ and his love being poured into my heart. I'm telling you, I have tasted it. I have tasted the love of God. I have felt loved by God. I have been free. I have been, in fact, you know, some of us remember when Jamie Winship was here and we were talking about the names that he gives you, that God gives you. One of the names I feel like God has given me is life giver. I mean, I've, I've been the person who just loves to be with people and loves to pour out with them. I know what it is to taste the goodness and the freedom and the joy and the love of God. So why am I now all of a sudden asking the question, what's up with my heart? What's up with my heart? Well, here's what, here's what I've learned. And I do already knew this. The battle for your heart never stops. The battle for your heart never stops. The enemy is amazing. He's called an angel of light. He knows exactly how to get past what you intellectually know about God and get you to start to believe things that aren't really true. So when God asked me, do you really want to know, Dave? I said, yes, I do. So in August of this last year, I decided to fast for the whole month because I'm like, okay, God, I am leaning in. If you got something to share with me about the state of my heart, then I want to know. And so I fasted and I prayed. And during that time, I had two questions that I was asking God. The first one was, God, what do you want me to know about my heart? And the second one was, and what do you want me to know about K2? The first, the second day I was praying, when I said, God, what do you want me to know about K2? You know what I heard? I feel like I heard him say, David, I want a group of people who love each other the way I love them. That's what I died for. And I want to have that. Second day, Lord, what do you want me to know about K2? I want a group of people who love each other the way that I love them. Third day, God, what do you want me to know about K2? Are you deaf? I want a group of people who love each other the way that I loved them. You guys know this. I mean, he goes, that's how the world will know that you're actually my disciples. Not going to church, loving each other. So I'm like, all right, man, Lord, I am gonna pray for that. I'm gonna ask for you to do that. And as soon as I did that, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Let's actually start with just you. Don't be thinking about anybody else. Let's just think about you. And for the whole month of August, I felt like God just started revealing to me the lack of love that was in my heart. The last week, Susie and I got away and just decided, let's get away to a cabin and just be alone and let me focus. I'm packing up the bag, getting ready to go. This is so weird, you guys. I look over at my desk and there's this book laying on my desk and it's called Leading with Love. And I wanna tell you, I have no idea where this book came from. I don't remember buying it and I certainly don't remember sticking it on top of my desk. I, I literally, I can't wait to get to heaven one day and go, Lord, did you just stick that on my desk for me? And so I went and spent a week and I went through this book and every single day, God just started revealing to me the reality of my heart and where I was lacking in my love. And I want to tell you, it's not fun. It's hard. And I came back from that. And then because I'm in deep community, 
there were others who were willing to be share very honestly with me about my heart. And um, you guys have, you know, do you guys, anybody else have a blind spot? I love that definition. (laughs) Because if it's a blind spot, you can't see it. And by the way, the only way to know if you're ever actually loving is you got to be with people. You got to be with people. And God started revealing to me the lack of my love. And so, and then I started asking him questions like, how in the world did I get here, Lord? Why? Because on the outside, I can be super nice because I've learned how to do that. But on the inside, I'm going, let's just keep everybody at a distance and let me protect my heart. I'm like, how did I get there? And what I realized is I had developed the same pattern with God that I had developed with people. And my heart was condemning me with God. I actually thought that I'd lost his favor. Now, you know, here's what's crazy, you guys. I've been to seminary. I know theology. I study the Bible. I know intellectually up here that I can't lose God's favor, right? Anybody, any Christians out there? Do you know that's the message? Have you been listening to me for the last 20 years? And here's what's crazy. I don't believe at all that you have the possibility of losing his favor. There's no way. I know you can't lose his favor. But I was believing I lost his favor. How in the world? And, And by the way, can I just tell you something? Here's what's weird. When you know something here, it's really hard to get to here. In fact, I couldn't believe it. I wish I had time. I don't have time. But God actually had to give my wife a dream. And she came and shared this dream with me. Just real quick, of, 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 it was a war scene. And all, the, all of you guys were there. K2 was there. And this was this massive war. And I was trying to lead everybody. And she came up to me to ask for David. I got some help. And she goes, and I turned and I looked at her. And I glared at her. And I said, you're my enemy. Anybody know how I feel about my wife? Okay, can I just say, if there's any person on the planet who I know loves me, it's my wife. So I just said, well, that was a stupid dream. Well, she took a few weeks and kept praying about it and kept praying about it, kept praying about it. One day I'm working on my message. She comes in, she goes, Dave, she goes, I think, I think I finally heard from God about that dream. And he said, Susie, he goes, you're not his enemy. He thinks I am. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, what? And he said, now I used you because you're the most loving person to him. But he thinks I'm against him. And I want to tell you what, you guys, I just start weeping. I just start weeping. Because I realize now in my heart that I thought I lost God's favor. You know why? Because I started believing that my favor with God was directly dependent on how I'm doing as your pastor. It all, you know, so Emma, when you talk about all about performance, right? It's like your whole worth is based on your performance. And I started believing the same thing. Like my whole, and by the way, God called me to do this, right? So if God called me to do this, then I better get my act together and do the best thing that I can possibly do for him. And so next thing you know, I'm on the performance trap with God. And when that happens, you guys, here's what happens. Then your focus becomes, and here's my heart, said, David, you better make the church work. You better make the church work. 
And all of a sudden you've got all this pressure. And you know what happens? As soon as you stop believing that God loves you and you got to do it to gain his favor and you got to make it work, that becomes more important to you than the people. And then when church is working, then everything's fine. It's all as long as church is working. And then if it's not, then you're full of fear. And what God revealed to me was, David, if you don't believe rightly about who I am and my love for you, then you get everything else wrong. And so, um, and then you finally realize, guys, it's, it's just a bunch of fear again. It's just fear. And so there's no love in either of these things. Here's what I finally realized. I'm trying to produce fruit. Man, we got to have fruit. And Jesus is like, I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't ask you to do that. Here's what I asked you to do. Love people. If you love people, you abide in me. And if that happens, you bear fruit. So now, in light of all that, and the reason, you guys, um, I'll be, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, I guess I got all, all my tears this afternoon as I was talking this through with my wife. But man, I, I just, I know the freedom of God. And I know the war and the bondage and the darkness. And I've known it as your pastor. And I want to tell you, he's never going to stop fighting against us, man. He just never is. So what are we going to do? How are we going to be at rest in our hearts? Okay. So now let me show you what this passage teaches us. Here's how you and I can keep our hearts at rest. Number one, our hearts rest in obedience. This is so weird. First John 3, 21, 22 says this, dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. I was walking this through with Susie and she goes, hey, Dave, that's confusing. Like, aren't you just telling everybody that it's not about performance? And now it's like, now you're saying, well, you got to obey his commands. And she goes, just leave that part out and go to the next part. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's, in, it's in the Bible. And, and, and then as, as we were talking about it, I realized I go, babe, I can't leave it out because this is why it's so confusing. What is it? Is it all grace and just love? Or do I got to obey you, God? Which one is it? You guys, anybody else deal with this? Man. So I, I, but here's what the scripture says. If our hearts are going to be at rest, it's because we obey him and we do what pleases him. But now look at what, he, what his command is. Our hearts rest in faith. Our hearts rest in faith. 1 John 3.23, this is his command. Believe. Believe in the name of Jesus, his son, Jesus Christ. Believe in him, you guys. And this is the thing. It means to put all your trust in Jesus. Because here's, here's what I know. Our hearts actually don't condemn us when we're actually trusting in Jesus. And again, I'm sitting here going, I trust in Jesus, man. I believe in him with my whole life. But it's gotta be deep on this. And look what this says. John 3, 20, it says this. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows 
everything. What a fascinating verse. Because you guys, here's what I can tell you. The Bible tells you, don't trust your heart, okay? Do you know the Bible says that? Your heart is messed up, okay? You are going to feel things that aren't true. And when you're feeling these things, if you're ever feeling condemned, then what are you, where are you gonna go? And what the Bible says, run to God, <laughs> okay? Don't entertain the feelings of condemnation in your heart. You gotta run to God because he's greater than your heart. He's greater than what you feel. He's greater than what you think. He knows what? Everything. And so you run to God and you go to him. It's why we meet here like this. It's why I get up every morning to be with him. And you run to God. And then what does God know? This is so awesome. Here's one of the things he knows, Colossians 1.22. It says, now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What does God know? When you're just like, oh man, God, I don't know if I'm good enough and I don't know if I'm doing enough and I don't know if I'm gonna, if I lost your favor, am I gonna not get your blessing? He's up there going, shut, 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 shut up. You know what's true? I reconciled you to myself through Jesus. And when I look at you, I see you as holy and without blemish and free from accusation. Amen. You guys, that's what's true. So it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. God says, I know everything. And I know that Jesus has paid for all of your sin. He's forgiven all of it by one sacrifice once for all. You are good to go. And when I look at you, I see you with as holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. You guys, we got to run to God and say, God, tell me what's true again about me. Here's the other thing, Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. So when your heart is, so here's John writing the church and he goes, when your heart does what? Condemns you. Then you need to be able to say, there is no condemnation in Christ. Now, whose idea was that? That's God's idea. He knows it. He again has justified you, set you free through Jesus Christ. And you got to run to him. So if you're here today and you're feeling guilty and you're not feeling good enough, and if you don't feel like you measure up, if you're falling short, if your heart is condemning you for any reason, if you have put your faith in Christ, you need to run to God because he knows everything and he knows you're good to go. You're good to go. You're good to go. Last one, Hebrews 9, 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? How much more? How much more? You guys, Jesus' blood has cleansed you and forgiven you from every sin, and it can cleanse your conscience so you can serve God. I want to tell you, man, I, don't, I just, here's what I realized. I thought, if I love him as much as I do, if I've studied theology and have my master's in it and have taught this for 35 years and the enemy can still sneak past my, I know and mess with me, my guess is he might be able to do that to you too. 
And you know what we got to do? We've got to put our hearts at rest in faith because God is greater than our hearts. He loves you and he's cleansed you and he's forgiven you. And then real quick, the last thing is our hearts rest in love. Our hearts rest in love. Here's what I know. True belief in Jesus will result in true love. True belief in Jesus results in true love. Because once you know that God loves you when you're powerless and an ungodly and a sinner, and he's filled you up, it's amazing, you guys. It's amazing grace. It's actually amazing when you know his love deep inside your heart. And so if you're flippant towards other people, it's like, oh, I love some people. I don't love some other people. I think that maybe what Jesus has done for you hasn't been that big of a deal. If it's not that big of a deal what Jesus did, then it's not that big of a deal to love other people. But when you realize what Christ has done for you, this Easter, when we celebrate again, that he took all the wrath of God on himself so you would never taste it, man, then it helps you to love other people. And then the other thing too, is when Jesus is coming inside of us, it's like the conviction actually, you guys, is actually a good thing. Like when you're not loving or not believing, the Holy Spirit to come in and say, hey, hey, that's not good. He, it is a gift from God, but it will never be condemning. Our hearts rest in love. 1 John 3.21, this is his command, love one another as he commanded us. 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 4, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Guys, if there's any fear that you have, then the greatest thing I wanna share with you today is God's love is perfect. It's complete. It's not based on conditions. It's not based on your performance. And by the way, his opinion of you is he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And when that comes in, there's no fear. This band, come on up and we're going to close and we'll begin and we'll go, go into our worship. And we're going to take some communion here as we do. If you don't have communion elements, by the way, if you want to take communion as a follower, could you just raise your hand? We have some people who will make sure that you get that. Perfect love, you guys. Perfect love drives out fear. It's just love that's complete. And this is the love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And we love because he first loved us. And we're just going to celebrate that fact. But complete love, you guys, is not just receiving it. When God pours his love into your heart, it secures you. It just secures you. But when he pours it into your heart, it also flows out of you. And that's when it becomes complete. And that's why he says, this is how you put your heart at rest. You believe in Jesus and his love and everything he's accomplished for you. And as you believe in his love and you receive it, then you love each other with the love that you've had. And if you're doing that, your heart can be 
at rest. And this is what he wants for every one of us. The good life is a life at rest. All right? So let's take the cup together. If you've never used this, you just take off the top little layer. And here's what Jesus said to us. You guys, you need to remember this. This is how we know what love is. How do we know what love is? Jesus gave his life for us. So every time we hold this, we remember how valuable we are to him that when we were powerless, when we were ungodly, and when we were sinners, Jesus gave his life for us. So let's take and let's eat in remembrance that we are loved no matter what by God. Let's eat. And then he took the cup and he goes, hey, this is the cup of my blood, but it's of the new covenant, okay? The old covenant was, if you do this, then I'll be your God and you'll be my people. The new covenant is Jesus saying, I did it. I did it. It's not about what you do. It's about what I've done. And I have shed my blood to forgive you of everything you've ever done or ever will do. You can be reconciled to God. So let's take and let's celebrate and let's remember that our consciences are clean, not because of what we do or do not do, because of what Jesus has done for us. We're forgiven and we're free. Let's drink together. (coughs) When I saw the band chose this song, for our worship set. I go, this could not be more perfect, you guys. It's called Run to the Father. Run to the Father. What do you do when your heart's condemning you? You go to God who is greater than your hearts and who knows everything. And you let him tell you again, you're forgiven, you're free, you're clean. I'm in you, I'm with you, and I'm for you and I will never let you go. So let's run to the father, just like the prodigal who came to his dad, except in that story, the dad ran to him. What a great story. Let's stand together and let's worship our great God who's forgiven us and who loves us, who's with us and who's for us.